Good morning, church family and ministry friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks. Welcome today to our online, internet, around the world church service. And I'm so happy that you're here with me today on Pentecost Sunday. Praise God. Amen. Thank you for joining me today. God's Word is going to build you up to do all that He has called you to do and to be the person that He has called you to be. And yes, my friends, today is Pentecost Sunday. We're going to talk about some things along this line. Um, let's first receive the tithes and offerings, but let me share some good news, uh, a praise report. We do have let me see. I believe I've got it right here on my phone. We're about to upload this to the website, but I'm looking at the entire brochure for our upcoming tour to Israel, which is a little less now than a year out. The dates are May 7th through the 17th of 2023. You can reserve your spot on the tour for $300 that secures your spot. And I've even got my good trusty map back out. This is the, uh, they call it the Israel-Palestinian map. Basically, it's the, <coughs> excuse me, the land of Israel. And it's fun to look at the map because we're going to go all over the nation of Israel. And we're going to have a tremendous time together. I'll be teaching as we go to select sites uh, each day at some of the various sites I'll be teaching. We're going to have a tremendous time together. We're going to work to get uh, this information uploaded on the website and the sign up link just as quickly as possible. But I want to encourage you right now on your, your scheduler or your calendar. If you want to go, go ahead and, and make a note so that you're aware of that and uh, you can schedule uh, your time uh, to take off for that time, May the 7th through the 17th. It's going to be absolutely amazing. Whoo, praise God. Very, very excited about that. And of course, I'm happy to share that with you and confirm it with you. It's all booked with the leading uh, uh, tour agency in the world, literally the best of the best. And we have selected Noseworthy Travel. We're working with them again. And this tour is going to be fantastic. Praise God. Now, let's take our Bibles. And I'm going to share something very special with you in just a moment. Let's take our Bibles and go to Deuteronomy chapter 16. And look at a very familiar verse. Verse 16. Deuteronomy 16. 16. Where it says, three times a year... All your males shall appear before the Lord your God in the place where he chooses at the Feast of Unleavened Bread. That's also what we would know as Passover. At the Feast of Weeks, that's also what we call today Shavuot or Pentecost. Pentecost is a Greek word that means 50 and if you want to be technical you would call it the Feast of Weeks because it's seven weeks after the uh, feast of Passover. Okay. So we have the three main feast, unleavened bread. Then we have Pentecost and uh, here also at the feast of tabernacles. And that's later of course in the fall and they shall not appear before the Lord empty handed. So during these three primary feasts, 
God's people are encouraged to always bring an offering when they come up to the tabernacle or come up to the temple to worship the Lord. Now verse 17, every man shall give as he is able according to the blessing of the Lord, your God, which he has given you. So my friends, we see here in scripture that giving is never to be done under pressure. It's never to be done in a uh, coerced type of way. The Bible says every man shall give as he is able. Pastor Stephen, what should I do today on Passover? Well, of course, you always honor the Lord with your tithe, and the tithe is 10% of all of your increase. But these are special love offerings that are given above and beyond the tithe, and you can give simply as you are able. And whatever place you would be in, you know, husbands and wives talk it over, uh, find out what you're able to do and sow your best seed today. Now, let me tell you where your Pentecost offering will be going to. Now, first of all, we know that the tithe goes to the basic administrative needs of the ministry. It's what keeps the lights on. It what it's what keeps the uh, uh, the ministry moving forward. Where there's somebody that answers the phone, emails are returned, bills are paid on time, and the administrative uh, arm of the ministry functions smoothly. So the tithe helps with all of that. The offerings go to designated areas. Now the special offering today for Pentecost will be going towards a special television project. And I would like to now tell you about it. Kelly and I are in the final negotiations with an Israeli television company, and we're just about to sign the contract. Everything is pretty much worked out, looks really good. And most likely by the time you're seeing this, which is just a few hours ahead of where I'm sharing it, we will have already signed the contract. Now, What's fascinating about the Christian company that we're working with is that when you go to Israel and you see Christian programming, let's say you're staying in a hotel and you see Christian programming from one of the major television Christian networks, you have to understand that those, those uh, programs that you're watching on that network, they're being beamed down by satellite. And of course, it's much easier to do that in Israel than what it is in America, because in the, um, America you have the FCC, and it's the federal arm that controls communications, and there's all, all types of uh, red tape and guidelines, whereas in a lot, of, a lot of other countries you don't have all of that, so you can just, uh, you can satellite uh, right into some countries, and it's a lot less expensive. But... While there are many good Christian companies that are using satellite to bring messages, uh, uh, their message into the Middle East and into Israel, it is very, very rare, though, to have on the ground a Christian broadcasting station with a real television tower sending the signal out to, guess what? What the locals watch, not the tourists, the locals. Woo, that this is 
fascinating. My friends, we stand at the threshold of the Pure Gold television program. That's our half-hour TV program going into Israel. And we're, we're already ready to sign the contract. We're just going over the final, the final time slot, making sure everything is locked and ready to go. But basically, in just a few days, Pure Gold will begin to air over all of Israel, all of Jordan, and even Syria. And it's doing it not by satellite, it's doing it by a television station broadcasting on the land from a very high tower over the whole region. Now, this is what is amazing. This tower uh, and the station are located, of all places, in Bethlehem. And I've talked, uh, I talked just recently with the owner of the station, a very godly uh, Christian pastor known around the world. And he said, he said, Stephen, he said the television station and the tower, because it's the highest place in Bethlehem, he said it literally overlooks the field of Boaz, <laughs> where Boaz and Ruth met. It overlooks that exact area. And my friends, we have the opportunity to go on this Christian station there in Israel, broadcasting out of Bethlehem. And this is the station, one of the stations that the locals watch. This is very exciting. That means, of course, we'll have many Jewish people that will see the program, but we'll also have many Arab people that will watch the program. And you have to understand while there is Hebrew spoken in Israel, and there's also Arab, uh, Arabic spoken in Israel and these surrounding countries, still 70% of all the people living there, whether it's Jewish or Arab, the, the, over, the overall cumulative total is that 70% still also are fluent in English. Woo, praise God. So that, that means that we will be speaking the gospel all over Israel and uh, all over the area that uh, people use the terminology of the Palestinian territories in that area. And honestly, coming out of Bethlehem, that's hitting all that area. So <laughs> uh, all the radicals, you know, uh, uh, you have some real hot spot troubled areas. They, uh, they will be hearing these messages. I think it's tremendously exciting. This television station broadcast from the highest point in Bethlehem, overlooking the field of Boaz. And my friends, we will not just be on once a week or twice a week, but three times a week, our Pure Gold television program will be airing three times a week. And remember, you can't proselytize in Israel. It's actually against the law, but the station is in Bethlehem. And so because it's in that area and it's broadcasting from there, uh, things are a little bit different. And those of you that know me and those of you that watch our current Pure Gold uh, television programs, you know that I never conclude that half-hour teaching without giving the viewers, those that are watching, an opportunity to receive Christ as their Lord and Savior. So today, 
as you sow a seed, as you're able, for Pentecost Sunday, the seed offering will go towards the Pure Gold television account, and this will help us in this area of expanding and picking up this station, signing the contract, and moving forward. We've already got a phenomenal time. We're very, very pleased with the time. I'll tell you more about that. And uh, this is a major breakthrough. I've, I have always wanted to directly minister somehow in Israel. And I was already familiar with the satellites that broadcast down on the, over the area. But you really, you want to you wanna reach the people that actually live there. Again, we don't want to just be preaching to the choir or speaking to the tourists <laughs> there in the hotel rooms. We want to speak to the people that live in Bethlehem. We want to speak to the people that live and work in Judea and Samaria and these other places, over into Jordan, up into Syria. Wow, it's incredible, absolutely incredible what God is doing. But my friends, remember, there's no pressure to give. Just give as you are able. Every man shall give as he is able, according to the blessing of the Lord your God, which he has given you. Pastor Stephen, what should I do? I don't really know. That's between you and the Holy Spirit. But we are instructed to do something. Amen. So today, as you honor the Lord with your tithes, because we always need to put the tithe first, because that's God's. But then, after the tithe, now we have the privileged opportunity to sow seed. And so, for those of you that are ready to give, uh, and you want to mail in your tithe and your Pentecost offering, you can send it to Stephen Brooks International, P.O. Box 717, Moravian Falls, North Carolina. Our zip code is 28654. If you want to bring your tithe in and your Pentecost offering, you can do so by visiting the ministry website, stephenbrooks.org. There's a link on the homepage, a red heart that says give. You can bring the tithe in right there. And there's also a, an orange banner that says projects. And you can click on that and you'll see the special project for pure gold. And the Pentecost offerings that come in will be applied towards the pure gold. That way we can really uh, have a strong push forward with our expansion into Israel. And of course, as, as, as I go in with these messages, you go with me. We go together and we share the rewards together as well. I'd like to share with you concerning that just for a moment, because I, I want you to have a clear understanding of how this works in God's eyes. Sometimes people think, well, I guess when that preacher gets to heaven, he sure is going to have a big reward, but I wasn't called to be a preacher. So I guess when I get to heaven, maybe I'll get a little bungalow over in the corner. But my friends, it doesn't work like that at all in the eyes of God. And I want to tell you that as we take these messages there, we cannot do it without your help. Now, right now, literally, we are reaching around the world. We are reaching potentially a viewing audience over 1 billion people. Technically, we're at 1.1 billion, probably a little closer now to 1.2 
billion. But it's very powerful what God is doing. And I want you to see how God contributes to your activity, to your involvement with acknowledging that and noting your involvement in the overall furtherance of his kingdom plan and that you will be included in the rewards. This is actually a scriptural law established by King David. I think we need to talk about it for a few minutes. It's found in first Samuel chapter 30. And I would like for you to turn there with me because we move forward together and we enjoy the rewards and the blessings together. First Samuel chapter 30 verse one. Now it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the South and Ziklag attacked Ziklag and burned it with fire and had taken captive the women and those who were there from small to great. They did not kill anyone, but carried them away and went their way. Well, the fact that these bandits, these marauders did not kill anyone or, or start molesting the women or things like that. That is a miracle, but nevertheless, uh, everything else has been burned with fire and there's a real problem here. Now, this is one of the final great tests that David is going to face. He has been stretched to the ultimate limit. He has been put through things that God has allowed because God is trying to develop kingship qualities and characteristics in him. My friends, what the world is looking for today is leaders. We have to be men and women of courage. And right now our nation is at an all time low when it comes to courage and when you hear the reports of elementary schools being shot up by some demonized fanatic going in there and killing all the, the innocent, precious little children and full grown men standing outside with guns and bulletproof armor standing there and not going in and then giving an excuse. Well, we were told at headquarters not to do anything. My friends, we are living in days where people have lost the ideology of what courage is. And this is something that God is instilling into David that even at times when it looks like it is completely hopeless, you have to be a person that somehow stirs yourself up in the things of God and you regroup quickly because he doesn't have all day to do this. They're already going to be planning on stoning him very quickly. <laughs> so you can't, you can't take a vacation. This is not about how much money you have in the bank. You can't go off and go hit the beach and lay out on the Mediterranean in three weeks and plan this out. You have got to pull yourself together quickly. As the old statement goes, pull yourself up by the bootstraps and, and get, get bold and get, get aggressive real quick. And David, I can understand what he's been through. He's literally been hunted by Saul's crack squad soldiers 
trying to track him down. And David's got other men with him. He has his wives and children. His men have wives and children, plus they're transporting cattle. And they're constantly having to escape and elude Saul. And there were multiple times when it looked like Saul had finally captured David, got him to a point where he's got him cornered or corralled. And then suddenly, right at the last moment, God would deliver David. And the crisis got so difficult that David actually went amongst the Philistines. Oh my goodness. And he hung out with them for a while till eventually the Philistines are about ready to go to war against Israel. And the, the advisors of the Philistine king said, uh, listen, uh, David's at a really weak point. He does appear to be showing loyalty to you, but Hey, let's not forget this guy, uh, all it takes is some kind of a touch and he turns into a killing machine <laughs> and what better way for him to redeem himself <laughs> than by turning on us and killing all of us. And the King didn't think that David would do it, but nevertheless, his general said, no, we're not riding out with David, uh, kind of hanging out with us. So they told David, you need to leave. Well, he, he leaves, goes back to Ziklag and finds out that what he thought was a secure base uh, was not so secure after all. The women, the children, uh, livestock, everything has been taken away. David didn't know at, the, at this point, he's only days away from seeing Saul kill himself, Jonathan being killed, and then a major transition where those who followed Saul no longer have a king. And so David's prominence begins to rise and, you know, he begins to step forward into that destiny and calling that God had placed upon his life even years and years earlier, even his true destiny designed by God while he was still in his mother's womb. Praise God. My friends, I want to speak to some of you right now where you think that this could be it. God, I can't take another thing. But my friends, I'm here to tell you today that I believe for many of you that are watching that you're at the end of your trial. Um, I'm not saying you should ever throw the towel in, but I am saying this. If you were going to throw, the, throw it in, don't do it now for sure, because you're right at the end of this thing. And I remember uh, one of the greatest fights was between Muhammad Ali and Smokin' Joe Frazier. And they got into the, uh, the final round, and the fight had been so intense, they literally both almost beat each other to death. There have been boxers that have died in the ring before, and they both were actually right on the edge. And Muhammad Ali was sitting in the corner, and he told his, his uh, ringside team, he said, I can't go any further. They'd gone all the way to the final round. He said, I cannot go any further. He said, call off the fight, throw in the towel. And they said, no, just, just try to stand up and go back out there and just at least do something. And he decided to do that. And right when he was thinking that I can't even, I can't even move my arms anymore. And right when they started that final round, Frazier's group threw the towel in. Why? Because he was the same way. He thought, I can't go anymore. And uh, so they were both really at the edge of total, complete collapse. And perhaps you feel like you cannot go any further. 
I want to tell you that the devil is the master illusionist. I'm not saying that your circumstances aren't real, but I'm saying that the enemy could try to make it look so bad and you're facing you're facing things you've never faced before, but I'm here to tell you that God can get you through. God can thump the little devil right out of the way. And the next thing you know, your time of coronation has arrived. Praise God. Amen. These are very, very fascinating days that we are living in. Verse six. Now David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved every man for his sons and his daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord, his God, my friends take courage. This is the time to take courage. This is the time for men to be men. And this is the time for women to be strong and to show character and show resolve. There is a national crisis in this area. And it's not just in America. It's other parts of the world where people are afraid. People are just ready to run. And then people literally freeze up. I have actually seen people with my own eyes in times of chaos and calamity, literally either freeze or go in the full blown pandemonium mode. And you know who they were? They were the leaders. They were the leaders. Hmm. We had an earthquake. Um, some years back, let's see, I think it was the year 2012. It rocked the entire East Coast area. We're only five hours from the sea, so even this far inland, we felt it. I was actually in this very sanctuary when it happened. Um, one of my workers was on a ladder in that back corner right over there. He was working on some things on the wall, and everything started shaking. And he looked at me and said, Stephen, is this what I think it is? I said, well, because I'd moved from California out here. I said, yeah, I said, this is pretty weird, but this is an earthquake and it was a pretty good one. Now I'm not going to name names or anything like that. I'm going to try to cover this, but as you know, those of you that know our location, we have a lot of activity around the church building. We have a, the a major post office is right over that direction. Uh, a very large school that continues to grow right over here in this area. And uh, when the earthquake hit, uh, Kelly walked outside just as calm as could be just to kind of look around. And a person came flying out of the school. I won't say who I, I'll just say it was the leader over the whole school. And the person was in absolute fear and pandemonium running around, just totally perplexed, didn't know what to do. And Kelly said, be calm. Everything's okay. And the person was just frazzled like you wouldn't believe. And it took my wife to calm that person down because this person is the one over hundreds, hundreds. And so Kelly calmed her down and got that person calmed down. And, uh, you know, Kelly and I were like, hey, it's, uh, this is not something like you can run away from it. You just kind of stand and write it out. And uh, we began to get some phone calls from other people. Uh, there was one person that called in that was loading their car as fast as they could with stuff to drive and get away from it. I said, what, what are you doing? You're just going to go out and get stuck in a big crowd. I said, it's just it's an earthquake. Just stay where you're at. Stay calm. That person also total pandemonium. Uh, I would call it freak out mode. What do you do? Calm them down, calm them down. We are in a place right now. 
where society is like all on the edge uh, and there's very few leaders. And so this is the time where the body of Christ will shine. Hallelujah. Because God's going to hold this nation together. And God's going to work in other parts of the world as well. Because he's got his remnant. He's got his people. He's got his church all over the world. Praise God. But I believe we're in for the great move of the Holy Spirit. I want you to get ready. For many of you that are watching today, this Ziklag experience that David faced, that in some ways you're facing, will be the last barrier that you face before you break through and receive a very unusual anointing of the Holy Spirit. For David, the coming forth as the undisputed king. Now, he still had some critics, but eventually he's, he's just the whole nation. It's like, oh, you're totally it. <laughs> but it starts to move towards that just a few weeks after this very dramatic event takes place right here. Now, in the scriptures, you often read uh, of great trials and tests that for some reason would happen around midnight, sometimes also in the early morning. They do say that it's always darkest before dawn. That, that according to scientists, is technically true. It's always the darkest just before the light begins to break and begins to dispel the darkness. My friends, right now, continue to stand with all your faith. You're going to see the Holy Spirit begin to move and to blow away all the clouds that have been obstructing your view and all of the things that have been causing uh, delay and causing uh, the lack of movement that you're trusting God for. You're going to begin to see it clear very, very quickly. Praise God. God is coming on the scene. The Ark of the Covenant, like with Obed-Edom, is coming into your house. I know you have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you. But I'm talking about the manifested presence of God in your home, in your car. And it says with Jesus in Acts chapter 10, 38, it says, God was with him. And when God is with you, oh, there is victory everywhere you go. And I believe you're going to begin to see that starting today. I'm going to pray a special prayer for you in just a few more minutes. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Well, verse nine. So David, he inquires and he is given the green light from God to pursue and overtake the bad guys who did this. So David went, he and the 600 men who were with him, and came to the brook Bezor, where those who stayed, uh, at, where those stayed who were left behind. The brook Bezor is not like a little bitty brook or a little bitty stream. It's more like a desert wadi that, that has cliffs on both sides and comes down, and there is a brook there. But depending on what season it is, whether it's rainy season or something, it can get out of control real quick with flash floods. Water levels can rise, not by just a few feet, but by tens and tens of feet. But also, this has got to be a place, I've seen pictures of it, where, and also videos of it, where I can't imagine how difficult that would be for these Amalekites to try to be getting away quickly when you're trying to get all these women you've just stolen, all these kids, and all this cattle. You're trying to move all this livestock through this brook 
with all of this shrubbery and uneven terrain, and you've got some real mad warriors chasing you. Well, the Amalekites obviously thought they had enough lead time to get enough of a, a, a gap and furtherance ahead where they could eventually let up. But um, we know what's going to happen. David is going to catch up. Then they found an Egyptian in the field. My friends, these things aren't some type of coincidence. This is the hand of God moving. And even, even if you've had some Ziklag experiences this year, you can still see God's hand. And the hand of God, which is so often in the Old Testament, symbolic, uh, metaphorical language of the power of God. The hand of God is often representative of the Holy Spirit himself. And here's the Holy Spirit causing somebody to be left behind so they can do some light interrogation, get, uh, get out the, the questions they have, get the answers they need. And now they're really dialed in. So they found an Egyptian in the field, brought him to David. They gave him bread and he ate and they let him drink water and they gave him a piece of a cake of figs and two clusters of raisins. So when he had eaten, his strength came back. He gets his strength back. David asks the questions. He gets the answers. But of course, this young man, he's actually a pretty smart fellow. David said to him, can you take me down to this troop? So he said, swear to me by God that you will neither kill me nor deliver me into the hands of my master, and I will take you down to this troop. Okay, so he's, uh, he's recovered, and he was also uh, smart enough to do some negotiation. My friends, there's always some wiggle room. If somebody says, this is the bottom price, uh, yes, it is until we negotiate it a little bit more. <laughs> we negotiate everything. We negotiate every single contract. Uh, anytime this ministry has ever made a purchase, um, I just need to let you know, it's, it's probably never, ever going to happen in your life where a contract is presented to you that right from the get go, it's 100% correct. That in this earth realm is almost a complete impossibility. You need to look over everything carefully. You need to look at all terms and conditions on any types of purchases, and you need to negotiate. They will say, oh, it's not negotiable. Oh, no, everything's negotiable. And you can bring it down some to where both parties are happy. Praise God. And remember, particularly when you move into larger type transactions, if, the, if there's not favor involved, if favor is missing, then the Holy Spirit is not in the transaction. If you've got a wrangle and it turns into almost like a feud just because you're trying to buy a, you know, a, a, a crock pot or something like that. Oh, no, just don't, don't worry about it. Walk away from it. It's no big deal. But even if it's a piece of property or something like that, and there's all kinds of contentions and you're not getting any kind of breaks, you're not getting any kind of favor at all. Uh, I would say completely back off, reevaluate the whole thing. Anytime God's in it, there is favor. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Now, we see here in verse 16, and when he had brought him down, there they were spread out all over the land, eating and drinking and dancing because of all the great spoil, which they had taken from the land of the Philistines and from the land of Judah. Then David attacked them from twilight until the evening of the next day. So what has happened is when he got the green light from God, pursue 
and you will overtake all. David took his men and they went on a forced march. He's got 600 men, 400. They had more durability. They had more strength for whatever reason. And you had 200 that were just at this point, they could not go any further. They stayed back to guard the camp. That's the last thing they want is to have any remaining supplies stolen. So 200 stay back, guard the camp, which is a necessary thing while the other 400 go on. But this is a forced march. Sometimes you see this in the military. It's me. It, it's a surprise attack on the enemy because the enemy thinks, well, it took us this long to cover that much territory and there's no way they can be here by tomorrow because we have a 48 hour lead on them or whatever the case might be. So we're safe. You are unless they do something heroic and extremely difficult to do, which would be to literally march all night long. And that's what Patton did with his men at the Battle of the Bulge. They landed on the beach and they began an immediate 85, it was 85 to 100 mile walk all the way into Belgium. Why? Because the 101st Airborne was pinned down by the Germans. They were being decimated. I think the Americans lost about uh, 1,695 soldiers were shot and killed. And uh, I mean, that many, excuse me, that many were wounded, but you had about maybe 700 killed. And they couldn't hold out hardly any longer, hardly any ammunition, hardly any food, um, running out of everything. And the Germans wanted to really control that area. So that was Bastogne, Belgium. And so Patton realized the only way we can get there on time to save our allied friends and our own soldiers is he said, men, we can't stop. So they marched nonstop, almost 100 miles through snow and what was considered the worst winter in 50 years in all of Europe. But they got there. And the moment they got there, uh, they began to push back the, the Germans and they began to uh, just take and solidify their hold there. But, oh, it was very, very uh, difficult to do. You know, Patton had great strengths. He had great weaknesses. One of his great strengths was that he was just, um, he was a little bit like Joab, David's top general. Uh, Joab, he probably had the, the mannerisms of a hand grenade. He could just go off at any moment. He was rough, crude, and, uh, but he was a phenomenal warrior. Same thing with Patton. He was just uh, incredible at winning almost impossible battles, real, real tough. But uh, he was not like David. Uh, David loved his men. Joab wasn't really concerned about people. He just wanted to win. Same way with Patton. Uh, Patton, he was phenomenal at winning, but he was, he was a ruthless leader, was not kind, was not compassionate even sometimes to some of his wounded uh, soldiers. So um, it, it just very similar to Joab, uh, met a very strange ending where his life was taken out in a very strange way, as if almost God used him for the good purposes that he had, which was to help America win the war. And then shortly thereafter that, dies in a very strange car accident, a, a, a needless, stupid accident, but it killed him. 
And uh, you see Joab also doesn't live his life out, but uh, he's taken out also. But uh, we, have to, um, we have to live our lives by faith. But faith, hope, love, the greatest of these is love. Praise God. We should have good intentions, good motives, but everything we do, we should do it the right way. And the right way is to walk in love. And even with an enemy, you know, um, uh, it doesn't mean that you want to see your enemies suffer or go through agony or pain. No, let's just do the job. But, uh, and sometimes, especially with war, not sometimes, but you run into situations as violent, as messy, as hell on earth. But if you have to do your job, do it the most compassionate way as possible. And don't let a spirit of rage or murder uh, come upon you. But do what you have to do. And, that you, and you need your tough guys. There's no question about that. Because you've got bad guys out there that will kill you without, without blinking. And they'll laugh and gloat, abuse the body, all kinds of things like that. So you're going to have to have your tough ones, uh, your meat grinders. There's no question about that. Guys that are, you know, almost can match them for that. But as far as Christians, um, do your job, but also don't, oh, don't go overboard. Know, know the spot where, okay, now we can ease off. Mm -mm. Very, very fascinating. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Little side note there in uh, Bastion, Belgium. As the war was concluded, you, you've got the Russian troops that are still moving in on Germany. And all those Russian soldiers are mad as fire. <laughs> and when they come in, they're looking for vengeance. and They're not going to have any mercy. And they didn't. But, um, you know, Patton was told by a German leader, hey, we've got all these beautiful horses. I think they were called the Lippenstein horses. We've got all these beautiful horses over here. And can you American allies... Now that you basically won the war, can you help us save all these horses? Because the Russian army is on the way and they're going to butcher all of them. Just they're going to take pleasure in just killing them because they're that's the way they are. They, you know, they're, they're going to come in and do it. And so Patton sent out a special group of soldiers. Think about 150 of them. And they sent those men in there. And our American soldiers worked with German soldiers who had just been defeated. And they gave all the German soldiers guns. And they worked together. And they got all of those horses rescued and out of there right as the Russian tanks were coming over the hills. <laughs> and those horses today perform all over the world. They are considered the most beautiful horse in the world, the most highly developed uh, horse in the world. But uh, that's all because the Americans jumped there in there at the last minute. The Russians had already killed a whole bunch of those horses in a different part of the country. And they certainly weren't going to stop on these. So um, if you see those horses today, you have the American army and the Marines to thank for that. Praise God. All right, little side note with history there. David is on the move. They have also had their all-night march. This is the forced march, and he's, he's not happy. <laughs> he's not happy with the Amalekites. So David attacked them from twilight. Now remember, they have been marching constantly all night long from twilight until the evening of the next day. So no sleep. You're talking like 48 hours, no sleep. Not a man of them escaped except 400 young men who rode on camels and fled. 
So David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away, and David rescued his two wives, and nothing of theirs was lacking, either small or great, sons or daughters, spoil or anything which they had taken from them. David recovered all. Then David took all the flocks and herds they had driven before those other livestock and said, this is David's spoil. Now, please listen very carefully to a law concerning partnership and what happens with spoils and how rewards are distributed. Now, David came to the 200 men who had been so weary that they could not follow David. You know, the thing with Patton is that there was uh, one time where Patton went to go visit some wounded soldiers. And uh, I'm talking about American soldiers. And there was one young man, uh, a soldier there, 18 years old, American soldier. He had uh, severe, uh, what now we call PTSD, uh, post-trauma uh, syndrome. It's a disorder from seeing body parts blown to pieces or your friends killed. He also had... If I'm correct, he had severe dehydration and he had some kind of uh, severe diarrhea and intestinal problems he was dealing with. And his mind was completely shot from what he had just seen of all the, you know, blood and arms, legs being blown off. And Patton saw him over there, but Patton didn't see anything physically wrong with him and said, son, how come you're not out on the battle fighting? He said, he said, I'm. I'm trying, basically, so I'm trying to work through some things. I've, I'm dealing with some things, and Patton got so angry because he thought he should just be out there fighting that he took a big leather glove, his leather glove, and slapped that soldier in the face, and everybody gasped when they saw it. The head medical doctor, the surgeon, saw it, wrote a letter. The letter goes to Eisenhower. Uh, President Eisenhower basically was going to dismiss Patton some of the other men said, we can't win the war without him. So Eisenhower, you know, dealt with Patton severely about this because he would have outbreaks like that. What they didn't realize was that Patton also was going through trauma. He's trying to deal with trauma. He's overstressed. He's cracking. He's breaking. War is hell. And um, he did actually later go back and visit two men that he grabbed and, you know, one he slapped and the other he threw around and cussed him out and stuff like that. He went back and apologized to both of them. But still, he didn't understand that element of uh, compassion or kindness. But at the same time, he was probably going through a lot of trauma himself. Now, uh, David has just come out of fierce battle. Remember, no sleep for days High stress, tremendous pressure. Not, not only the microwave he's been in, everything leading up to this. Saul trying to kill him. Living with the Philistines, the sworn enemies of God. And everything that he's going through. And now this. And now, no sleep. You want to push people to the edge? Um, try going with no sleep for 48 hours. 72 hours. You see... People began to unravel. That's what they do with uh, these elite forces, SEAL Team 6. If you make the, uh, not just uh, SEAL Team 6, but any uh, SEAL, just making the SEALs. But it's also the same way with uh, some of the other special forces too. 
No sleep. You got to go uh, no sleep for at least five days. And you're not sitting around. You're being ran and, and swimming and all kinds of stuff. And it's just uh, push them to the breaking point on purpose for development. And that, could, uh, unfortunately, sometimes can only be done through extreme scenarios. And you see David going through all of that. Mm-mm. Let's not forget also that the former prime minister, Benjamin Netanyahu of Israel, was at one point elite special forces. He's also Mensa society. He's also a genius. They say his IQ is right around 180. He's a brilliant man. He's a brilliant man. Now, here again in verse 21. Now David came to the 200 men who had been so weary that they could not follow David, whom they also had made to stay at the brook Bezor. So they went out to meet David and to meet the people who were with him. And, the, and when David came near the people, he greeted them. Then all the wicked and worthless men of those who went with David answered and said, because they did not go with us, we will not give them any of the spoil that we have recovered except for every man's wife and children that they may lead them away and depart. But David said, my brethren, you shall not do so with what the Lord, with what the Lord has given us. And that's the, one of the distinguishing factors about David. He would give all the glory for the victories that God would give him in all of these various battles. Not only are they winning, they're just capturing spoil and David understanding covenant. Uh, I'm not saying they didn't get some scrapes and scratches and bruises, but they're, they're just going through these things and they're living through these intense, phenomenal battles. I did really enjoy reading a tremendous story of one of these great military leaders we had in our country who was a flamethrower and was very involved on the island of Iwo Jima as they were trying to penetrate and take an island that was being uh, held down by 20,000 Japanese with tunnels all underneath the island and uh, all types of defenses set up. And this man was one of the very few flamethrowers on the island, but uh, they found that he was very, very effective. But, you know, he went on to live well into his 90s. I think he's still alive today. If I'm correct, he would probably be in his uh, early, maybe 100s. Although I think he still might be in the late, late 90s. But he said when there were so many times that it looked like for sure he was going to die, he said any thought of not going home safely, I would never allow that thought to form in my mind. And when he's saying that, he's not holding a Bible and he's not saying, now I got that from the Bible. But my friends, the Bible says, take every thought captive. Anything that does not line up with the knowledge of God, God's word, take it captive immediately and cast it down. So anytime, especially when it looked like they're outnumbered and they're all about to get killed, he said, I would never, ever allow myself to think, well, this is the end. I'm going to die now. He said the moment a thought like that would come, he'd stop it immediately, dismiss it from his mind, and dig in and try to do the next thing to stay alive, and he's still alive today. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Now, David said, my brethren, you shall not do so with what the Lord has given us, 
who has preserved us and delivered us and delivered into our hand the troop that came against us. For who will heed you in this matter? But as his part is, who goes down to the battle, so shall his part be, who stays by the supplies, they shall share alike. So it was from that day forward, he made it a statute and an ordinance for Israel to this day. And God honors that. Now again, some might say, Pastor Stephen, God's blessing your television ministry. Your partners are supporting it and wonderful things are happening. When you get to heaven, you're going you're to have so many wonderful rewards. My friends, when a person turns on the TV, watches my program, and I say, if you want to give your heart to Christ, pray this prayer, and they pray that prayer and give their life to Jesus, that's noted by your name in heaven. That goes down next to your name. Hallelujah. Why? You are one of the ones that's sending me. You might not be there on the air preaching or something like that. You may not be standing next to David swinging a sword, poking an Amalekite. But whatever the case is, in your own way, you say, Pastor Stephen, I'll stay back here and I'll watch the goods. I'll take care of the camp while you're doing what you're supposed to do. I'll send an offering, praise God. I'm telling you, for every life touched, that is noted by your name and in the records of heaven. When it comes time for distribution of rewards, you will be blessed. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. As the pure gold television program three times a week goes through the airwaves across Israel, out from Bethlehem, throughout Israel, Judea, Samaria, over across the river Jordan into the nation of Jordan, up into Syria. Heaven has it recorded that you helped support that program. Heaven has it recorded. Praise God. Partnership, of course, is not just an opportunity for a ministry to raise money, but partnership is primarily so that the anointing will be reaching into the areas that God is sending it to. Woo! You're partnering with the anointing so that the anointed Message. See, Jesus said, the Spirit of God is upon me. He has anointed me. To do what? What was the number one thing he was anointed to, to do? To preach. To preach the gospel. Oh, yes, to heal the sick, open blind eyes, and uh, uh, set uh, free those that are oppressed, and all of that good stuff. Yes, but number one anointing is to preach the gospel. Mm. So you're partnering with the anointing of the Holy Spirit to take that anointing into these areas where we are fishing for souls to win people for Christ and to build up those where in many of these situations, they're running on very low volumes of knowledge concerning the word of God. God wants them to have good spiritual food so they can as I say, not be the devil's punching bag, but they can move into places of strength and victory by knowing who they are in Christ and how to appropriate those rights. 
And of course, partnership is primarily a love connection. It's a love connection. So you have a heart for the same anointing. You have a heart for what God has called us to do, and you're part of it. Now, let me also say that I'm not sharing these things because if you're watching, I'm wanting everybody to become my partner or something like that. But I would say that you need to be connected somewhere with a good ministry that is doing a, a kingdom work. So wherever that would be, I want to encourage you to be connected in partnership somewhere. Why? That sends that anointing of that, that ministry grace gift. It sends it into that area where God has it and wants it to go into. And you partner with that anointing. Praise God with that ministry. Thank you, Jesus. You do need to be connected with some ministry, some work that God is doing. Hallelujah. Now, of course, I thank all of my online church members, all of my partners, pure gold partners that support these works that God has called us to do. And I thank God for you. And I'm praying for you. And here is what I'm praying for you concerning your support of the Pentecostal seed. Hallelujah. Here's what I'm praying for you. Glory to God. It's found very nearby in the book of 2 Samuel chapter 6. Get ready. I'm about to pray for you. A very special prayer that the Holy Spirit has been leading me to pray for you. Verse 12. Now it was, uh, let me start in verse 10. So David would not move the ark of the Lord with him into the city of David, but David took it aside into the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite. The ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite three months. Please say that out loud. Say three months. And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household, all his household, everything he had, God started blessing. God started blessing his marriage. God starts blessing his children. God starts blessing his vegetables, his crops. God starts blessing his land, his possessions. The rabbis actually teach that when the ark showed up at his house, hi, it's me, David, King David. Hey, uh, Obed. I've got a gift you can't refuse. What is it? Well, it's a first-class intergalactic nuclear reactor, and I'm going to bring it right into your living room. <laughs> no. But it is the ark. It is the ark. And uh, it is the manifested presence of God. Uh, Obed, get ready. I'm bringing God into your house. Well, uh, David, I've heard about what happened recently. Yep. Well, you and God can work it all out. He's staying in your home for a while. Wow. And the rabbis teach that when that ark was moved there, Obed-Edom was a poor man. And in three months, God took him from a place of poverty to wealth. To wealth. Trust me. It's not like Obed-Edom got a new refrigerator and David heard about it and said, Whoo, he got a new refrigerator? We better go pick that ark up right now. I could use one too. No, it takes a lot more than the new refrigerator to move a king. Mm. But look at the next verse. Now it was told King David saying, the Lord has blessed 
the house of Obed-Edom and all that belongs to him because of the ark of God. How did they know he was blessed? Did they go over there, look through the window, and they see Obed-Edom in his house going, Ooh, the glory. Ooh, I feel the glory. Men, come on in here and feel the glory. Was it that? Yeah, but was it also something that they could see physical proof? Oh, my goodness. Look at his vegetables. Look at the flowers. Look at his family. Look, he's got more property. Everything is coming alive for this man. Hmm. I'm going to pray that God show up and that over the next three months, you have strange proofs that God is truly in your midst. As it was said of Jesus, for God was with him. Acts 10, 38, how he went about doing good and healing the sick. It says, for God was with him. I want it to be known by people that, that would be in your circle of life. I want them to know that they are able to look at your life and say, God's with that person. Look at their life. Mm -mm. And of course, that's more than just going around saying, Ooh, I feel the glory. And that's wonderful. We do not belittle by any means the presence. But you have to understand the only reason there would be a presence is because there's a person. If the person's not there, there's no presence. Pastor Stephen, you walk into the room, I can feel your presence. Well, the reason my presence is there is because I'm there. Praise God. <laughs> it's the same with you. Amen. Well, I'll tell you what, that person comes in and just lights the whole room up. Yes, there's the presence, but there's the person. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Lift your hands. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you right now for a three-month unusual encounter beginning today on Pentecost. Mm -mm. Heavenly Father, I pray for everybody that's watching. Thank you, Father God. I thank you, Father, also for my partners, especially, and those that support the television outreach that we have of this ministry. I pray, O oh God, that for those that are watching right now, that this day begin a three-month encounter with you through your spirit, through your word, where after 90 days, there are tangible proofs of your power having been released in their lives. Father, that they would be like an Obed-Edom and that they would be able to know that you have been working mightily in their midst. I pray this for them, O oh God, right now in Jesus' name, amen. Now say, I believe it, and I receive it. Praise God. Get ready for 90 days. The Holy Spirit is going to blow the clouds back. You're going to begin to surge and move forward with a new anointing and new strength, and things are going to begin to work right in your life. I anticipate, and I prophetically speculate that the great move of God is beginning. There's an undercurrent right now rippling with the vibrating power of God and things are about to break loose on all areas. And I see you at the forefront. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Now for everybody sowing their Pentecost seed, father, I thank you for their giving 
I thank you for the tithers. I thank you for those sowing seed. And Father, I just thank you that there are those, they've been struggling financially. They've been stretched. But I thank you, Father, that I pronounce over their life that just like David got past Ziklag, and just right after that, it's, it's enthronement time. I pray, Father God, for those that are watching, that you get them through, that you would even do such astounding things, that you would take them from having even been on the edge of trying to shuffle payments so they could stay ahead of the curve and use all of their energies and uh, intellect to try to keep alive. I pray that you take them from a place of that to even where all of their debts, all of their debts are paid off for your glory. And Father, you're raising up many Davids in your kingdom, many financial champions in your kingdom, and we give you all the glory. So Father, we thank you. We praise you in Jesus' name. And together we say, Amen and Amen. Praise God. Those of you that would be watching and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, call on Him right now, and He'll give you His new life. Say, Jesus, just pray this out loud. Say, Jesus, come into my heart. Wash all of my sins away. Give me your new life. Write my name in your book of life. And Jesus, step into my life and lead me and guide me from this day forward in your name. I pray. Amen. And amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Let's take Holy Communion today. Holy Communion. By the way, those of you that have just prayed that salvation prayer for the first time, I'd love to hear from you. Please email me at contact at stephenbrooks.org. Thank you. Praise God. Now, grab some grape juice and unleavened bread. If you don't have some of these exact items, get a little cracker and get some grape juice. Or you, just use what you have until you can get the grape juice and the cracker. And let's pray. Father, we thank you for the juice and the bread. We bless it. We set it apart as holy. We thank you, Father God, this is now the flesh and the blood of Jesus. And Father, even right now as I'm praying, I get the strongest witness that the miracles have already begun for your people. Raw miracles of your power displayed in their lives. And I thank you for wisdom. Because Father, there's going to be those that you're going to deliver. But now they will have the wisdom. Now they have principles. They'll never, ever be in these positions ever again. Thank you, Father. So Father, we just thank you right now for the Lord's body. That as we receive his body, we receive strength. Thank you that the ark, your presence, is showing up in very, very unusual ways through wisdom, insight, guidance, words of wisdom, miracles, power encounters, dreams, visions, angelic visitations. We thank you, Father God, for the word of the Lord and the Lord's flesh. In his name we pray. Amen. Let's receive and expect to receive your three months of Obed-Edom experience. Amen. Praise the Lord. Father, thank you for the blood of Jesus. 
We ask that if we have committed any sin, that you would forgive us, wash it all away, and that you would also cleanse our conscience with the blood of Christ. Father, if anybody has sinned against us, we forgive them, we bless them, and we continue on in faith and in hope and in love. We give you praise. Thank you, Father, for the mighty power of the blood of Jesus. We thank you that because we're in Christ, you don't see our sin, you see the blood. We thank you, Father God, that the blood completely takes the sin away. And we thank you that we are righteous, made right in your eyes. Thank you, Father, for Jesus and his sacrifice upon Calvary of dying on that cross and shedding his blood for the taking away of our sins. We give you praise. We thank you, Father, that the gospel is for the whole world, that everybody needs Jesus because nobody can make it to heaven by being just a good person. We thank you, Father, that the purpose of the law is to teach us right from wrong and to also reveal to us that in many, many different ways, we have all broken your laws. So we thank you, Father. We understand that under the law, the law requires punishment because there's guilt. The law has been broken. So we thank you, Father, that our punishment that we deserved was placed on Jesus at Calvary when he hung on that cross. He bore the punishment that we deserved so that we can be free, clean, and justified in your sight. Father, we celebrate the blood of Christ. We drink it until he comes. We give you praise in Jesus' great name. Amen. And amen. Let's receive. Hallelujah. If you're trusting in your own righteousness or your own goodness to get to heaven, you don't have a snowball's chance in hell. You don't have a chance in the world. One sin. If you've ever lived your whole life and just committed one sin, you've blown it. If you've broken one law, it says in the, in, it says in the word of God, you've broken the whole thing. You will never, ever get to heaven by being a good person. You only get to heaven through what he did. Jesus did on the cross of bearing our sin. He bore it so that we are now free. He paid the penalty. Glory to God. Glory to God. And the truth be told, you know that we've all done a lot more than just one sin. Hallelujah. The Bible says you shall not lie. Most people have told thousands of lies. Christ and your full trust in him is your only hope. So the just shall live by faith. Hallelujah. Lord, we give you praise. Father, we thank you for Pentecost Sunday, that there be fresh empowerment, fresh oil, fresh revelation, always knowing what to do. And I pray, Father, that unusual courage be upon your people, that should a moment ever come where something unsettling would suddenly break forth, there'll be the rock in the midst of, of any of that stuff, and it would cause people to snap back and come back into the right frame of mind. We thank you, Father, for strength, strength and courage in these days. We give you praise. Father, we know that there's gross darkness in the earth. Isaiah chapter 60, verse 1. But the glory shall be seen upon your people. This is our time to shine. And we give you all the praise because it's your glory. It's your glory upon us. We thank you, Father. Bless your people today. And we thank you now for three months of great breakthroughs. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.
please don't forget with Obed-Edom, one of the first things God began to do is bless his family. Watch what God's going to do in your marriage and amongst your children. He will do miracles. Thanks for watching. I'll see you back next time.